48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Susan Lavender. The headlines. The new Secretary for Security says it appears the stabbing of a policeman in Causeway Bay last night was a lone wolf terrorist attack. No new coronavirus infections have been found in Aberdeen after a cleaner resident in the area tested preliminary positive for a variant. And the SAR dismisses as biased and unreasonable a U.S. State Department human trafficking report. New Secretary for Security Chris Tang says initial investigations indicate the stabbing of a policeman in Causeway Bay last night was a lone wolf terrorist attack. Speaking after visiting the injured policeman in hospital early this morning, Mr Tang said many other people could be held responsible for encouraging violence in Hong Kong. The assailant died shortly after the attack, as Carolyn Wright reports. The 50-year-old man is said to have stabbed himself in the chest after attacking the officer at about 10pm outside the Sogo department store. He died in hospital about an hour later. The police said the officer was seriously injured. The attack was caught on video with chaos ensuing immediately afterwards as other officers drew their guns before subduing the man. The motive for the attack is not known, but it came at the end of a day where thousands of police had sealed off nearby Victoria Park and were out in force in other parts of the city to stop any protests on the anniversary of the handover. Both the Chief Executive and Chief Secretary John Lee have condemned the attack on the policeman as well as other illegal acts that took place yesterday. Carrie Lam said it's clear they were intended to challenge the authority of the Hong Kong SAR. The Confederation of Trade Unions Secretary-General, Mung Siu Dat, has questioned whether Hong Kong people still enjoy freedom of speech after his colleagues, who criticised the government at their street booths in Mong Kok, were warned by officers not to incite hatred against the government. He told a radio programme that his union also used to set up street booths in Causeway Bay, the starting point for the July 1st demonstration, but officers stopped them from doing so yesterday without explaining why. The spokesman for the Chinese embassy in the United Kingdom, Zheng Zeguang, says the UK Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab has confused right and wrong by saying the national security law is being used to crush rights and freedoms in Hong Kong. Mr Zheng said Mr Raab had turned a blind eye to the role that the law had played in restoring order to the SAR, adding that residents enjoy rights and freedoms they never enjoyed during British rule. He added that the UK no longer had the right to interfere in Hong Kong affairs. No new coronavirus infections have been found in the compulsory testing of some 580 people in a block of flats in Aberdeen. Robert Kemp has more. Port Centre was locked down overnight after one resident tested preliminary positive for a mutant strain of COVID-19. The Centre for Health Protection said the 41-year-old woman works as a part-time cleaner at the Bridal Tea House in Yaomate, a quarantine hotel. She has no recent travel history. Four imported COVID-19 cases were also reported yesterday. The patients aged between 19 and 54 arrived from the UK, Russia and Indonesia. The SAR government has dismissed as biased and unreasonable a US State Department report in Hong Kong in, in, into Hong Kong's handling of human trafficking. Vicky Wong reports. The annual report placed Hong Kong on the Tier 2 watch list for the second year running, meaning the SAR does not fully meet minimum trafficking elimination standards, though its attempts are significant. 
The report also said that overall the SAR had not demonstrated increasing efforts to tackle the problem. In a statement, an SAR government spokesperson said authorities here had been proactive. He accused the State Department of ignoring the unparalleled efforts made by the SAR over the years. Lawmakers are calling for regular reports on COVID vaccination rates for teachers. The government had earlier revealed that only 18% of teachers were vaccinated as of two months ago. The lawmakers said the information was needed as relaxations were being considered for schools with higher vaccination rates. But speaking through an interpreter, the Education Secretary, Kevin Young, said it didn't make sense just to target the education sector. Schools, they would need to collect figures from students and parents regularly and teachers as well. But that amounts to a certain kind of workload. And are we expecting various sectors in society to do the same? Is it what the government should do? Why should we just target the education sector? If we give them the choice in relation to vaccination, if we're not making it compulsory, then we must respect their right to choose. The U.S. has expressed concern over China's rapid buildup of its nuclear forces, calling on Beijing to engage in dialogue to reduce the risk of, of a destabilizing arms race. State Department spokesman Ned Price said Beijing appeared to be deviating from decades of nuclear strategy based on minimal deterrence. He was speaking after the Washington Post reported that China was building more than 100 new missile silos. These reports and other developments suggest that the PRC's nuclear arsenal will grow more quickly and to a higher level than perhaps previously anticipated. This buildup is concerning. It raises questions about the PRC's intent. And for us, it reinforces the importance of pursuing practical measures to reduce nuclear risks. President Biden says it's essential to find out what caused an apartment block in Miami to collapse last week. He also promised federal funding for the rescue effort would continue for a month. Mr Biden was speaking after meeting families of people who died or are still missing after the disaster in Surfside. There are two outstanding concerns. First, remaining buildings may collapse. The remainder of the building may collapse. We need to determine if it's safe for first responders to return to the site to continue their rescue mission. That's being done right now. And that's why I asked the National Institute of Standards and Technology NISA, to investigate to see if it's safe to go back and what caused the building to collapse in the first place. 18 bodies have been recovered, but 140 people are still unaccounted for. The U.S. Attorney General has imposed a moratorium on federal executions while the Justice Department reviews its policies and procedures. Merrick Garland said the department had to make sure people were treated fairly and humanely. The Trump administration put 13 convicts to death in its last year of office, ending a 17-year moratorium. It also changed some of the rules governing the use of capital punishment. The Australian state of New South Wales has recorded 31 new locally acquired COVID-19 cases. 13 of them were active in the community while infectious. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian says she expects case numbers to get worse before the state starts to see improvements. We're anticipating that there could be an increase in numbers over the next few days and then hopefully early next week we should see the impacts of the lockdown really uh, turning and having a positive impact. 
The British billionaire Richard Branson has named the date he'll fly to the edge of space in his own Unity rocket plane the 11th of July or soon thereafter. If he's successful, he'll beat his fellow billionaire, Amazon chief Jeff Bezos, who has announced he'll be aboard his suborbital spacecraft for a flight on the 20th of July. The BBC's Jonathan Amos has the detail. First, Jeff Bezos said he would ride his new Shepard rocket system to just above the atmosphere on the 20th of July, and even recruited his brother to sit alongside him. Not to be outdone, Sir Richard Branson has now moved up his scheduled flight in his Unity rocket plane to make sure he leads the way. Billionaire bragging rights aside, it does now seem space tourism is taking off. There's a queue of new space companies offering to carry individuals either on a short hop above the Earth or even to go orbital and spend a few days in space. 130 countries have agreed to a major overhaul of a century-old international tax system to reflect the digitalised global economy. It's hoped the measure will come into effect in 2023. Here's the BBC's Andrew Walker. The US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said the agreement meant that what she called a race to the bottom on business taxation was a step closer to its end. It was a race she described as self-defeating, which no nation had won. The OECD estimates that the minimum rate will generate $150 billion a year of extra tax globally. The other element of the deal would reallocate more than $100 billion of profits to the countries where multinational firms earn their money, whether they have a physical presence there or not. The main target for that measure is some of the big technology companies. A week after its appointment, a financial firm in the US has asked to withdraw from an arrangement that has controlled the life of the entertainer Britney Spears for the last 13 years. The Besmer Trust said it had not been aware of the singer's objections, which she set out in emotional courtroom testimony last week. The BBC's David Willis reports from Los Angeles. Britney Spears called the conservatorship that has governed her life for the last 13 years abusive and added that it had prevented her from getting married and having another child. The Bessemer Trust was to share control of her $60 million estate with her father Jamie, whom Britney Spears has been seeking to have removed as co-conservator for some time. A judge has so far declined that request. And stocks now. A short time ago, the Hansen Index was at 28,374. That's 455 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $94 billion. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 111.55 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 69 cents. Sport now, Roger Federer is through to the third round of Wimbledon after a dominant straight-set win over Richard Gasquet. For Federer, it's another step towards a ninth Wimbledon title. Details from the BBC's Chris Dennis. He may turn 40 next month, but Roger Federer is still a class act. The eight-time champion produced a much-improved performance to swat aside Richard Gasquet for the 19th time in 21 meetings. After a shaky start, the Fed Express is up and running. Over on court one was a young man more than half Federer's age, but one tipped to be a future champion. 18-year-old Carlos Alcaraz was playing only his second match on grass against the number two seed Daniel Medvedev. He lost in straight sets, but showed enough glimpses of his precocious talent to suggest he has what it takes. 
Meanwhile, the women's draw is wide open. The latest name to wither on the Wimbledon vine is Alina Svitolina. The number three seed was beaten by Poland's Magda Lynette, which means that only three of the top ten are still here. Former Australian Open champion Victoria Azarenka is also out, beaten by Serana Castea in a brilliant, brutal match. Even top seed Ash Barty was unconvincing in her victory today. You wouldn't bet against a new Wimbledon champion a week on Saturday. To athletics, Norway's Karsten Warholm set a new men's 400-metre hurdles world record in front of his home crowd at the Diamond League meeting in Oslo. The BBC's R.D. Adi Doyin reports. Kasten Warholm is a man for the big occasions, running in front of a home crowd and what is one of the biggest events of the sporting calendar in Norway. He smashed Kevin Young's world record, which has stood for nearly 30 years. What's even more remarkable is it was only his first race over the distance this season. The time of 46.70 seconds, he raced in the longest standing men's track record and there's every chance it could be lowered when he goes head-to-head with his American rival Ride Benjamin, the third fastest man in history. Sweden's Armand Duplantis was also head and shoulders above his rivals once again in the men's pole vault. The world record holder cleared six metres and one centimetre. World champion Sam Kendricks had to settle for second. Britain's Mark Cavendish has won stage six in in the cycling's Tour de France in a sprint finish. He's three wins away from beating the all-time stage record holder, Eddie Merckx. Mathieu van der Poel of the Netherlands holds the yellow jersey for the overall lead. More details from the BBC's Matt Warwick. Thirteen years after Cavendish took his first tour stage win in Chateauroux, he celebrates his 32nd. A remarkable feat for a man who wasn't even supposed to be selected for the race with which he has such an affinity. But it doesn't end here. Five of the remaining stages gives the 36-year-old a chance to surpass Merckx's seemingly unassailable mark of 34 wins. If he is to achieve it, he may need a rest, but instead he'll have to settle for Stage 7's punishing 249-kilometre run to La Crusoe. England's cricketers defeated Sri Lanka by eight wickets in their second one-day international at the Oval in London. The BBC's Eleanor Oldroyd was watching. The most comfortable of victories for England, cruising home with 42 balls to spare. Two local Surrey heroes starred, five for 48 for Sam Curran with the ball and 60 for Jason Roy with the bat. But England's white ball and red ball captains saw them home. Owen Morgan hit 75 not out, his first half century in 15 innings, and Joe Root hit an unbeaten 68. Could have been much worse for Sri Lanka, who were 21 for four before Dan and Jaya da Silva hit an excellent 91 to make a game of it. But this is a shadow of great Sri Lanka teams of the past and they face six defeats from six when the series concludes on Sunday in Bristol. And now the weather. It will be sunny with one or two showers. The maximum temperature will be around 32 degrees in urban areas and a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. The outlook is very hot during the day over the weekend. More showers early next week. The temperature is now 32 degrees and the humidity is 72%. To end the news, the top stories once again. The new Secretary for Security says it appears the stabbing of a policeman in Causeway Bay last night was a lone wolf terrorist attack. No new coronavirus infections have been found in Aberdeen after a cleaner resident in the area tested preliminary positive for a variant. And the SAR dismisses as biased and unreasonable a U.S. State Department human trafficking report. And that's the news from RTHK.
afternoon and welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Friday afternoon. Friday the 2nd of July is today's date. Big thanks to James Ross for the morning brew. Always great to see James. I hope you're all having a great Friday. One more day before the weekend, and we've got a busy program for you this Friday afternoon. To start today's show, we're going to be chatting with Andrew Dembina. And Andrew will be in for this week's Artsing Around as he gives us some local and global uh, art news updates. And after the 2 o'clock news, the Agenda Cafe is back this Friday afternoon and we'll be talking about attitudes towards ethnic minority children in Hong Kong schools. And we'll be hearing some personal experiences from parents and a student as last week the Zubin Foundation held an online lunch and a learning event to raise awareness uh, for these issues. So Karen Ko and myself will